Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on one of our radio stations or maybe online. But this is actually the delayed broadcast. So, today is supposed to be Wednesday, the 26th of September, um, but it's not. So, I don't know when you're listening to this, maybe in a month's time, maybe in a year's time, but you are here right now with your host, Lawson, filling in currently for Monica, and uh, Lyle's actually had to, to step out, so unfortunately he can't be here with us while we're recording this, but I'm sitting here, and right beside me is... Henry, so you'll have to put up with me, I'm the extra one. Awesome, yep, so we got Henry the ring in, um, here joining us for uh, our intro. Henry, what are you grateful for today? Me, oh, I'm pretty grateful. I actually got a um, night away coming up with some friends. We're going to hang out and fellowship, hopefully have a campfire and um, yeah, just learn more about God and uh, hang out together. It's going to be really good. Awesome. Epic. Well, I myself, I am extremely grateful. Um, yeah, so my, my dad has been attempting um, to, to be a cook over the last couple of days and uh, on Monday night, uh, which was two days ago from when we are recording this, he, he tried to bake a cake. He was making a cake. He was making a chocolate cake, and uh, he put too much baking paper in and, and lit the cake on fire, and it ended up being this molten rock of, of nothing. Well, in the oven. In the oven. On fire. On fire, that in the oven, burning sorry. down our house. Um, <laughs> luckily, we didn't burn down the house, but the fire alarm did go off. Um, but he was extremely embarrassed, so he tried his hand again and made, made another cake, um, and luckily, the, the cake survived. He redeemed so himself good. a bit there. Um, Lyle told me that he's extremely grateful this morning because his son Harley has recently come back from Romania, who's over there for three months, and, he, and Lyle actually hasn't seen him for four months, so he's he's now back in the country um, from a missionary evangelism trip over there, and uh, stoked to have him. But coming up in today's show, we are talking a lot about sailing. Not only do we have the story of Paul's shipwreck that we've been going through over the last couple of weeks, um, but also we've got an amazing story about a man who, uh, who you know, copped a crippling injury um, during a solo yacht race um, that was going around the world, a 30,000-mile race. And we're going to be talking about um, what happened to him. Do you have any experiences wow. like that? That's pretty crazy. I've actually done a bit of sailing. I, uh, yeah. I sailed on a tall ship. From Sydney to Rio de Janeiro for two months, and that was a really Epic. amazing experience. But I certainly, certainly wouldn't be want to be shipwrecked out in the open sea. That would be, <laughs> yeah. be something else. But um, coming up in the rest of the show, we've got an amazing interview with Matt Parra. Um, we're going to be talking about the topics of sexual assault, abortion, Brett Kavanaugh, all these hectic things that are happening in our world today. But... We want you to continue to listen. Remember, if you, you are listening to the delayed broadcast and if you want to jump across to the live show, you can do that by going on faithfm.com or listening to us on the TuneIn app. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us and uh, thanks for hanging out with us. There is more coming up after this.
goodness faileth never Good shepherd may I sing your praise Within your house forever Within your house forever You're listening to I Am They, King of Love, here on Faith FM. And as we get into the breakfast show this morning, <coughs> Lawson. Yes. What are we starting with with the quiz today? You All right. S- you say this is an easy one. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, but well, you've I said that about every quiz so far, and some of them have taken oh, you a no. little while to get there. The last one was, yesterday's one was a little bit difficult. And I got it quicker than I got the ones that you said were easy. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, uh, um, let's let's have a look have nervous. at this quiz. All right. So, this is a who am I quiz. All right. Okay. And this remember, a, if, if, you, a person. if you got this, this if is you, not if, a thing. Yes, this is a person. And if you have it, you can give us a call on 1-800-324-843 or give us a text on 0491064669. And if you get this before Lyle, then you get double prizes. But I, I think you're going to get this one straight away. Okay. Right, Check it right. out. The first clue is... I am the grandfather of Noah. Uh, yes. All right. I think I've got this one. Y- you right, think we'll, you got we'll it? Write this one down in just a moment. Um, <laughs> oh, you're wrong. <laughs> darn it. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, there are still double prizes available. We are. Oh, and he. Yeah, he's. Oh, sorry, guys. There are no more double prizes because Lyle's. Uh, Getting my family tree there together, got it sorted. Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, had, had, to be, had to be right there. But anyway, okay, all right, sounds good. Yeah. All right, good, cool. Good, so good if you know day. who the grandfather of Noah is, give us a call on 1-800-324-843. It shouldn't actually be hard us. to find. All you've got to do is find the begats. Yeah. Just find the begats yeah. in, the, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and you'll be on your way to finding who grandfather's Noah, Noah's grandfather was. All right, so where are we up to? We are up to... Oh, we're talking about positively different news. What yes, have you got for us there, Lawson? So, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about sailing. Over, we have. Over the we last... Have. And, and my, my parents... And we have not finished. Yeah, we're still going strong. They have not got to shore yet. They are close to shore. They can see the shore. It's coming up in their Encounter with God section. Uh, so stay tuned for that Bible study section. But they are not on the shore yet. But my, uh, my parents have been loving it because they're both sailors. Um, yep. from, from way back, they've sailed, uh, you know, different, you know, races. Like, they got the line honours for the Bay to Bay in oh, their nice. class, which is pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You know, um, and, and stuff like that. But I've got some sailing news today. Uh-huh. Check this out. A sailor um, who sustained a back-crippling injury uh, during a round of the solo yacht race in the remote southern Indian Ocean was rescued on Monday after reportedly surviving for three days on iced tea. That's epic. <laughs> I see. Did you hear about that guy up in Indonesia? Um, just a young kid, and he's on one of these. Um, it's basically a raft. They anchor them out off the coast, and at night time they, um, <coughs> they 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 set a light. The light mm-hmm. will attract fish, and there's a trap underneath the raft, and yeah, and um, and so once a day a boat will come around and uh, collect the fish that they trapped, mm-hmm. and their job is basically to switch the light on at night and switch it off. In the morning. Yeah. And that's what they're employed to do and they just sit on this road. It's a pretty lonely job because you can't see the land. Mm-hmm. They're so far out at sea. Well, the, um, the, the mooring broke. I'm getting sidetracked here. The mooring broke. This thing drifted off into the ocean. Oh. He was, he was drifting around on this thing for like nearly 50 days. Oof. 
and uh, just yeah, living off uh, basically seawater and whatever he could catch underneath of his uh, underneath of his raft. <laughs> lots of boats went past, lots of lots of uh, ships, and he was never able. to Eventually, um, there was a, a ship that actually stopped and picked him up because most most large ships don't actually stop for rafts these days, which is against you know international maritime law. But there's a lot of work involved in stopping a ship. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of cost involved. Um, they take a long time to stop. That's a, there's a lot of work involved in launching a lifeboat and then um, bringing it back onto the ship. And you know, you can lose a day just rescuing someone. And so most of them just don't stop these days. Yeah. And, and he talks about you know just ship after ship after ship after ship that just went past and just completely ignored him. Well, this dude, he was um like he was in you know around of the the world solo yacht race like this is uh you know in that competition and mm. the indian navy said that the 39 year old his name is uh abilash tommy he's an indian guy um he hurt his back and was unable to move after his yacht lost lost both its masts during a storm on friday as he was competing um in the golden globe race mm. so he went through this massive storm and yeah the the masts like snapped off and stuff and he got this injury where he was like couldn't even move because his back was in so much pain that's crazy um tommy an indian naval officer was in third out of 18 participants before the severe storm hit and survived on cans of iced tea that were nearby. So he's like where he was like crippled, you know, because he's just mm-hmm. laying there because he couldn't move. There was like some some iced tea near his hand because he couldn't like move to get to any of his food. So he was drink just drinking his <laughs> iced tea to get through. Um, wow. When they found him, they said um, that, you know, he was conscious and he could talk and he was all good. But yeah, like he was fully um, stretched off the off the boat. Yeah, and this is the thing today. You know, you, you, you've got communications. You can got epurbs that you can set off. You've got uh, emergency procedures. You've got people that can come and look for you. A bit different from Paul's day, eh? When he got shipwrecked. Mm. Yeah, but, um, yeah. You know, so this guy's he's there for three days, but you know, when they turn up, they're going to put him on a stretcher. They're going to you know basically bolt him down and and put his neck in a neck brace and all this kind of stuff just in case something goes wrong or something yeah. moves. Um, but yeah, this is a bit different from Paul's day when it's like, yep, you're on, you are on your own. Well, it's interesting. This guy had a satellite phone, um, that had like, you know, four or five days worth of charge. So he was just texting the, the Navy the whole time saying, Hey, yeah, I'm out here. I need you guys to come and pick me up. The interesting thing about it was, um, he was like the, the Indian Navy, they come out with a, you know, a statement talking about what happened. And they said that he was like, as far as he could possibly be from the help. Like, he was, like, <laughs> right in the middle of the ocean, like, texting them. Um, because, you know, this is a 30,000-mile race. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is there's like, big patches of empty empty ocean out there. And he was just, like, drifting around in the middle of the sea, drinking iced tea, couldn't talk to anyone except on his little satellite phone. He's just, like, texting the guys, like, hey, I need you to come get me because I'm, like, dying out here. Um but yeah, thankfully, you know, uh, they they found him after. Um, it's amazing a the days. effort that we put in to save one life, isn't it? Mm. You know, I mean, you think think of the millions of dollars that would have been spent to save his life, and it gives you a perspective on the value of life. Um, and I wish that we would always, you know, value life that highly, don't you? Yeah, that's actually going to relate to our next story coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, yeah, lots of interesting things: Brett Kavanaugh, abortion, all kinds of uh, crazy mm. stuff coming up. Got our resident American coming in, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, <coughs> I'm butting in on you here with uh, this is a pretty cool story. No, nah, I love it. It's um, 
yeah, it, it's it's so epic because I think like you know people's achievements in sport are such such an amazing thing. Like what what people are able to do mm. um, in the context of of competition and and um, you know the lengths that they're able to go to. And we're seeing here like to sail around the world, you know, in a, in a boat. Like that's some pretty pretty epic epic stuff and to see that like yeah things can go wrong um i had a story recently actually you know about surfers and like you know things can go wrong in in you know when anything has to do with the water man yes things can go wrong in the ocean but and 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 and, and they certainly went wrong for um for for paul when he got shipwrecked (laughs) i mean he got shipwrecked three times we don't know about the other times i mean first first or the second time one of those one of those two there he was um he actually floating around in the ocean all by himself for like a day and a half dude yeah, a day and a night, the Bible says. A day and a night in the, in the sea he was. Mm. Um, so that was uh, quite a, an accomplishment, you know. Try treading water for that long and see how you get on. Yeah. You know, he was a, he was a uh, Paul was a pretty fit guy. Mm. Did a lot of walking in his time and I'd say that that's how he was able to survive. Man, I tell you what, like floating around in the... Actually, my my dad, this is a really cool story. My dad, he worked for a, for a fishing trawler, like a professional fishing boat when he was like i don't know if, if anyone out there is if you don't know what i'm talking about if you've seen the movie forrest gump how they like work on the boat to collect the shrimp mm-hmm. that's basically um what he worked on and um yeah he told me a story about how a massive storm swept through and swept them into the uh luckily it swept them into the mangroves where it was like a full-on cyclone where they were just held up and they just chilled there for a couple of days and waited to get rescue and, and even in that time that was in the in the you know the either the late 80s or the early 90s, but they had their, like, you know, their communication. They're just like, oh, hey, can you, like, come get us because we're, like, you know, in a cyclone and we don't know what we're doing. It makes me thankful that we have a God who is prepared to come down to this earth and to rescue us. Oh, dude, yeah. You know, because to be stuck out in a situation like that where there was no rescue and no hope of rescue would just be terrifying. Mm. And to be stuck here on this world, you know that would that would be enough to give me anxiety, yeah, severe anxiety. If there was no hope of no rescue, but the fact that we have a God who was prepared to come down to this world and to give His life for us, you know, to mount a rescue mission, mm. and the most expensive rescue mission of all time mm. was when Jesus came to this earth to to rescue us and to save us. Um, and what an amazing God that we serve. Serve. We're going to move on. We're back in a moment with our resident American to talk about all things America.
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Hoku Clements here on Faith FM with the song Your Will Be Done. And, uh, yeah, another clue for the quiz. Yeah. Lawson is just uh, signaling, away, signaling away here, desperate to get this second clue <laughs> for the quiz out. So get ready to call 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669. If you know the answer... For a prize. Yeah. Prize coming your way. What have we got there, uh, Lawson? So, the next clue, this is like a reference clue, like to a, to a to books in the Bible. So, so yeah, be ready to hit us up because you'll be able to get this really quickly. Um, but as we said, our first clue was I am the grandfather of Noah. And our next clue is, you will find me in Luke's genealogy of Christ, but not in Matthew's. Ooh. Ooh. Now, that's interesting. I did not know that. There you go. I knew that there were two different genealogies, but I did not know that. That is most fascinating. All right, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to double check that out for myself. All right, so if you yeah, if you've got an answer, call us, text us, you know, hit us up on our social medias, and we'll get you a prize. There you go. But it's not double prizes because Lyle's already got the answer. Sorry, guys, but uh, yeah. All right, so we have a uh, an interesting section coming up um, in our more serious news this morning. Uh, the Brett Kavanaugh story has been dominating the airwaves, even though it is a United States story. And so I thought to get a bit of an understanding of what is actually taking place in the United States, I would invite our resident American. We actually have a few re- resident Americans, but um, our resident American here on Faith FM to come and join us to actually explain to us you know, what's this all about? And I also want to look at the religious implications of the whole Brett Kavanaugh nomination, uh, what that could mean for the United States, what it could mean for the world, because US politics um, don't just affect the United States, they affect the whole world. And so, Matt, welcome to the show. This is Matt Parra. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to see you guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying the new title that I've been bestowed. Oh, um, the resident, resident, resident American. American. Resident, <laughs> resident American. That's right. Resident American. I okay. love it. I love it. It's good. I love it. Why not? It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show. Hey, uh, you've been on the show before, but yep. um, um, that's all good. Now, all right. Explain to us, first of all, um, when we talk about the Supreme Court in the United States, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? How do, what is this body? How does it function? What does it actually do? Yeah, that's right. I think um, people think more of the Supreme Court than they should because its, it's sole purpose really is to interpret law. Um, what's happened in, in, in my understanding in modern times uh, with certain certain decisions is that the court has begun to be used as a, a just as a legislative body mm-hmm. where instead of just interpreting the law, um, many people think it's being used to to make law. Uh, in the recent same-sex marriage case uh, in the United States in 2015, many people believe that that the Supreme Court was not in its within its uh, rights to to determine that same-sex marriage should be something that is accessible to all people, but rather uh, they should have just been interpreting the Constitution rather than, um, yeah, making laws. So I guess I guess in a nutshell, the Supreme Court is a part of kind of a, a system of checks and balances where you've got a legislature. <coughs> excuse me, if I can. 
<laughs> Can someone bring me a cup just, of water, just, please? Uh, dying <laughs> over here. You've got a legislative branch of, of the United States government, which is the Senate. Um, you've got a in the House. Mm-hmm. You've got an executive branch, which is basically the presidency, mm-hmm. and they enforce law. So you've got the Senate and the House, which makes law. Then you've got the executive branch, which you know enforces law, and then you've got the judicial branch, which interprets law. That's basically the system. Of mm-hmm. government in the United mm-hmm. States, so really, in a nutshell, the Supreme Court of the United States is supposed to interpret the laws. Okay, so basically, when your House States. and your Senate they, they they write up a new law, yeah, uh, and then your your Supreme Court is going to sit down and say, okay, this law means this. That's right. If a case comes before them, if in a case comes to before that law, them, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the foundation of all United States law is the Constitution. Sure. <clears throat> so the United States of America is not a democracy, as many people think. It's a constitutional republic, which means. Um, the foundation of all law in the country is the Constitution, and then laws extend from that and are interpreted by the judiciary. Judici- uh, if I can speak this morning, the judiciary, <laughs> which um, the highest we, component. We, we, we got you a bit up, uh, up a bit earlier than That's you right, did. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> dragged him out of bed for the well, breakfast you, show. You know what it is? Is I don't usually talk until about eight a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I'll get up earlier, but I don't Although talk. we know that you get up earlier because you That's have right. small children. That's right. Yeah, very much so. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, so the Supreme Court interprets law. All right. So yeah. as um, as a body that interprets law, how does it then, how can it act as a legislative body? Well, you could have judges on the Supreme Court that are going to bring their particular views, their political views, into their uh, decision making. Mm-hmm. And that's that's always why... When there's a Supreme Court uh, nominee being, you know, nominated for the Supreme Court, people who happen to be on the opposite end of the political spectrum from that nominee get really worked up because they're always thinking that person's going to bring their politics into, uh, yeah, their work. Mm-hmm. And and really, I think both sides have that fear, right? So if you've got a left leaning yeah. judge being, you know, nominated for the Supreme Court, you're going to have right leaning, you know. Uh, people that are going to be a little bit, cur- you know, upset and worried and afraid, thinking that that person is going to bring their politics into their their work as a judge, and that's what's happening, you know, right now mm-hmm. in the U.S. And, and the reality is, I guess, that we are always we always bring our politics into whatever position we hold, uh, as we always also bring our, you know, we, we we look at the world through our our personal political uh, glasses, and we also look at the world through our personal religious glasses, right. Um, and and you know we we need to be real about these things. I mean, obviously, the job of somebody in the Supreme Court is to not do so, mm-hmm. but to say that it never happens. I don't think would be particularly realistic. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and it happens, and I think um, it happens a lot, and it happens oftentimes by those people who think that it's not happening through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I, that's I think, right. I think you're you're more you're going to have more of a chance to be objective when you acknowledge that you're naturally not. Yeah. Right. When you can when you can concede what you just did, like we all have biases and prejudices and and viewpoints. And and when we're honest about that, I think we've got a much better chance of, you know, being objective and fair Mm. and uh, in balance in our decision making. And I think that's that's important. So when a when the Supreme Court passes down a judgment, then basically all courts lower than the Supreme Court are that that creates a precedent for all of those courts to follow. That's right, basically. Yeah, yeah and, and and in this in, you know in this respect, if there's a law on the books, um, the Supreme Court reads it one way, then all courts below that need to read it that way, and so this is yeah. how it can actually sort of act to a certain extent. I think as so. A, I as think a, as a legislative body. Yeah, and with my you know very little knowledge of. <laughs> the court system. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to say something too. Um, I've, I've learned recently that there are basically two different 
approaches to the U.S. Constitution. One is the originalist approach, which is uh, the approach of Brett Kavanaugh, and the other is the progressive approach. And uh, generally, constitutional progressives are people who do not see the Constitution uh, on a principle basis. They don't see that the founding principles are necessarily relevant and that the Constitution of the United States should be interpreted uh, in a kind of modern way. Uh, an originalist, though, says, no, the, 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 the principles of the Constitution are the principles of the Constitution, and the way it was written is the way that we should understand it, and uh, we should understand it the way the people who wrote it understand, understood it. That's like an originalist. Mm-hmm. And their view is, is that if we think that there's something flawed in the Constitution, instead of reinterpreting it, let's just add another amendment to it. That's, that's it. the whole point. That's the yeah. process that the founders of the U.S. Constitution gave us. So y- you can continue to progress in uh, your understanding of law, and you can, you know, ad- adapt your government around a new and revised constitution just by adding amendments rather than just reinterpreting it according to how you just. Okay, so if you go through the if you if you if you go through the process, sorry for butting in, but if yeah, you go no, through the good. process of uh, of reinterpreting, you've got then you've you, you've then got nine people who make a decision as to as to how it should be reinterpreted. That's Whereas right. if you amend it, mm-hmm. then what do you have, a referendum? Oh, that's right. Well, if you amend it, then you have to make laws through Congress. Okay. And so that, that actually is it gives the, more, you, it gives it gives the, the people the, it gives power. the people the power. So basically, if you've got so a court... So nine people versus 300 million people. That's right. If you've got a court of, of, of progressive of constitutional progressives, you've got a dangerous situation because you've basically got an oligarchy system. Or just some... You've got really a, a certain... You've, you've basically made the judiciary the rulers, the absolute rulers of the United States of America. Hmm. And that's really dangerous. And so I think personally, as an American citizen, I'm much more favorable to judges that are originalists just on a, fund, on a fundamental level because at least, it gives you a at voice. least those people are not going to um, just interpret the Constitution however they kind of feel that day or, you know. If they have indigestion, they'll see things a little differently. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, you know, 350 million people in the rest of the world by extension are, are radically affected. Sure. I like the the process that the, the framers of the Constitution hmm. gave us. If you want to change the Constitution, then change it. Yeah. Um, don't change it by just reinterpreting it. That's a little irresponsible in my, in my thinking. Mm-hmm. But when people are really high on their own opinion, um, then, then that's kind of what they do. Yeah. Yep. Fascinating stuff. And yeah. uh, I, I guess one of the other aspects that I find most interesting is that, you know, when people are, are appointed to the Supreme Court, this is an appointment, it's not an election, and, uh, and it's an appointment for life. So for life. Pretty yeah. heavy stuff. Mm. We'll be back in a moment to talk more about this. This is Chris Wenegar.
Welcome back, guys. That was Chris Wenegar with Oh How I Love Jesus here on Faith FM. We are in the studio with our um, with our resident American talking about all things American this morning, American politics, which is USA. always most... USA. Yes. USA. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, and uh, so welcome, welcome, Matt. It's great to have you on the show here. It's great to be here. And we've been talking about the US Supreme Court. There's an interesting yeah. story about Brett Kavanaugh. What I want to get to, one of the things that we mentioned earlier is that everybody looks at the world through their own glasses, you know, their own bias that they bring to a particular job. Nobody can, you know, avoid that. And so just do I just do before you came in, I did a bit of uh, uh, quick research on uh, on the US Supreme Court to look at it from a religious perspective. Mm. So there's been 214 um, Supreme Court justices. Um, it was formed in the year 1789 and it was th- th- there was no um, uh, non-Protestant on the Supreme Court for the first 75 years. Okay. Wow. Um, so 1864 was the first Roman Catholic who, uh, who was nominated to the Supreme Court. And 1916, which is 127 years later, was the first uh, Jewish justice mm. who was nominated to the uh, Supreme Court. There's been, all in all, there's been 13 um, Roman Catholics on the Supreme Court. And until 1994... Uh, from its inception, it had a Protestant majority. That's a period of 205 years. Mm. Um, of course, from 2010 um, until Donald Trump, there was not a single solitary Protestant on the Supreme Court. Wow. So that um, yeah shows a, 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 a religious shift. Mm. Um, and, of course, that's going to affect you know the way people think and the way they look at the, uh, various issues. But let's come back to Brett Kavanaugh. It's an interesting story. Hey, before you do, I, I yep. wanted to ask the question: Why you think that is? Why do I think it's changed? Yeah, well, no, no. Why do you think that? Do you think it? Do you think that the all Protestant justices had to do with perhaps the prejudices of the people? Um, what do you think that that was all about? Because I've got my my opinion. I, I thought. Yeah. I, I, I'm supposed to be the one asking questions here, Matt. But anyway, Sorry. okay, that's all right. That's I'll all right. No, no, no. I think this is. You, you get me started. You, you're gonna get me started. Okay, I'll go right. back to my chair in the corner. I'm sorry. So this is what I see. When the when the founding yeah. fathers mm-hmm. wrote the Constitution of the yeah. United States, they were looking at across the Atlantic at the Spanish Inquisition that was taking place. Right, and they wrote a Constitution that was designed to ensure that it would never come to the United States. That's it. And then you've got. Um, several popes, they write encyclical letters against the U.S. Constitution. They write a syllabus of errors against the United States Constitution. It caused diplomatic ties to be broken with the United States. Mm. Um, you know, you've got a lot of friction there. And so, you know, when uh, you, know, you, you, you look at um, Chief Justice Byron White um, some years ago in a religious liberty case that was lost... Um, wrote that in his in his minority dissenting opinion, wrote that the Supreme Court had acted as an inquisitional system of justice. Yeah, and right. when he when he used the word inquisition, he was stating basically we have formed a Roman Catholic form of justice right here, and he was referring to the Spanish Inquisition, uh, which was religious persecution. That's it. 100%, 100% agree. <laughs> Excellent. This is, this is Lyle being put on the spot that here this morning, but I love history. Yeah, that's right. Good job. Good job. <clears throat> okay, so uh, coming back to Brett Kavanaugh. All right, so we've got this situation where Donald Trump puts this guy up. Um, he's centre-right. Uh, the, the left is basically losing their minds over it, and uh, they throw up then these accusations of sexual abuse. And I have to say that I in no way support in any way, shape, or form sexual abuse. You know, we've got Bill Cosby being sent to jail this morning 
And I think that's a good thing, you know. So he should go to jail. Just because we like the guy shouldn't mean that he shouldn't go to jail. That's right. The thing that fascinates me is that in this situation, nothing was said until he was nominated and then nothing was said until it was nearly, you know, the whole process was nearly finished. Give us an American's perspective on this. I mean, your American's right. perspective. I love being in Australia because people always ask me that. So what do Americans think? Right? think well, you know, there's about 360 million of them. I'm sure they have so, so know, one a couple, out of couple different million. opinions there. But um, yeah, in my opinion, it's a little fishy, right? Like the Democratic Party knew of these allegations several weeks before they were leveled um, and they revealed them at just the right time to cause the most havoc and to ensure the longest delay for his confirmation. So I, I don't know that that in any way discredits the allegations. No, obviously. No, yeah. It definitely we, does We don't show, know. We weren't course. there. And if yeah, the guy did it and he's guilty, send him to jail. Send him to jail. And, and even worse, you know, I'm a big believer. And I mean, you know, anyways, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, I'm, I'm, you know, it's just a weird, precarious situation because you can't... The, the cynic inside me... You, you can't go to... That's right. You can't go to trial, right? Like in... You, you really can't, right? You, you you can't try the, the the case has reached its term of limits. You yeah, know, like statute you can't, of statute of limitations is, is expired. But you've got this allegation, and um, it needs to be taken seriously. But what do you do? Well, you it's just an allegation have like a, that's impossible. A trial of public opinion, basically. And, and it's also an allegation that is impossible to improve, impossible to prove, impossible to prove. It's a, it's impossible to disprove. Mm. Exactly. And, and so, in effect, it, um, it, it makes, you know, I, and I feel this as a man, as a part of, you know, what's, what the, the, the environment that we find ourselves in in the world today. Um, as a man, you can be under threat because all you need is an accusation against you and your, uh, you know, your, your role, whatever it might be, is just over, mm-hmm. it's regardless been, of whether anything happened or not. That's right. It's been, it's been demonstrated in, in various studies that memory is not as perfect as we think it is, and that's why there's a statute of limitations. And like it's, it's scientifically, demonstrably <laughs> yes. 30% proven. of everything we remember is a false memory. It, it, well, that's right. It's mixed. It's mingled. It's convoluted with other memories. It's a mixed mash of, of uh, yeah, of remembrances, and, and, and that's why there's a statute of limitations. Because okay, so let's, let's, let's get to the real issue then of why is it that the left is so desperate to get rid of this guy? They're so desperate because they think that he's going to be a key ingredient in the, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It's about abortion. All right, so Roe versus he's, he's Wade. Not, yeah. he's, not, he's not pro-abortion. Just, just, just very quickly yeah. give us a, uh, what was Roe versus Wade? Oh, Roe versus Wade was a 1973 decision that affected the legalization of abortion in the United States. And not just the legalization of abortion, it actually made abortion a fundamental right. Hmm. And so people don't understand that about Roe versus Wade. They oftentimes think that it legalized abortion, not necessarily. Abortion could have been yeah, legalized because it, on the state Abortion level. took place in, in the United States That's before right. Roe v. Wade. That's right. A state legislature prior to Roe v. Wade could make abortion legal or they could make it illegal. Hmm. Um, I think, well, yeah, I, I don't know. There's some lawyer listening to me right now thinking, boy, that guy's dumb. I'm not 100% sure of that. But what I, what I do know for sure is that if Roe v. Wade were overturned, state legislatures could still have it be legal in their states. So the overturning of Roe v. Wade would not make abortion illegal full stop but what it would do is it would remove abortion as a fundamental right for an american yeah, citizen yeah, so roe yeah. versus wade forced all legislatures 
to have to legislate in favor of abortion. So you could not make abortion illegal mm-hmm. after Roe versus Wade, and that's the, the significance of it. And so people who are fully in support of it are really afraid to lose it because many people, millions of people believe that abortion is a woman's right, and they, they attach it to what they call reproductive rights. And so they think that it's a fundamental right of women to be able to control their reproduction. And I don't think that necessarily anybody disagrees with that on a principle level. Mm -hmm. I think that there are just people who disagree with that on a practical level. Like, is it your right to end the life of an unborn child that happens to be in your body in the name of reproductive rights? I think that's where it gets a little bit sticky. So people who are pro-life say, no, it's not within a woman's reproductive rights to end the life of another human being Mm. that happens to be inside of her. <clears throat> her rights over her reproduction have to do with birth control. I, I like how we I like how we use we we, we 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 use very nice terminology when we talk about the subject of abortion. That's right. You know, it's abortion or ending of life rather than we just killed it. <laughs> that's right. We just killed our baby. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, that's heavy. Uh, seriously though, what's the difference? Yeah, that's it. Well, it's funny because um yeah, I mean it's a very complicated issue when you get into the argument of it all, but I think it's a very simple issue when you when you want to just be honest yeah um yeah and i think that's this is to me it's it's funny because the abortion issue is a perfect example how complicated a simple issue can become uh when people just want to be able to do something Mm -hmm. so like if you have if you have a desire to, to do something um and it's just what you want i think you'll make any argument that you can yeah um, anyways, but that's a little bit getting off the, the question. Yeah. But I think that people who are pro-choice or for the right of abortion are just really afraid mm. of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Sure. Yeah. And, and I just want to say this: that um, you know, I, I make some pretty strong statements here on on radio on, on a lot of these on a lot of these things. But that does not mean that I'm against people, and I'm not against what uh, you know, as their individuals, you know, a no. person as an individual, or the decisions that they've made in the past, or whatever it might be, or what they're going through now. I have you know tremendous sympathy for women who have found themselves in desperate situations who have chosen to have an abortion um you know and then maybe you know suffering from anxiety depression or whatever as a result of that or, or what, whatever it mm-hmm. might be yeah. um and we, we all need to understand that we're all broken sinners coming to the throne of grace mm-hmm. and and jesus is there for us regardless of what happens but you know i was just doing some some research on this and uh, you know, in the United States, in the years two thousand and six to two thousand and seventeen, that's the a ten year period. Um, mass shootings, one hundred and thirty five point eight people died per year. Right. There's probably nothing bigger than that that hits mm-hmm. our um, our airwaves. When, you know, when you have a mass shooting right. in the United States, um, abortions, um, and you know, if you're just looking at it from you know um, from the perspective of you know, where are you going to spend your money to save the most amount of life? In the United States, um, people kill around up to up to one and a half million people per year, babies, right. unborn babies. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in uh, since Road versus Wade, that equates to around about fifty million children that have been killed in the United States. Well, abortions are significantly down. And that's a short space of time. Abortions are significantly down. I've heard numbers of up to 60 million, and I've even heard numbers 60 million per year in the Western world. Uh, Well, this is, 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 you know, we're being conservative conservative here. here. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and it's good to see that abortions are down. Right. one of the one of the challenging things is that reporting of abortions is not mandatory in the United States. Okay. And uh, since 1995, when they made it 
not mandatory to okay. report abortions, <laughs> the, the numbers um, plummet. Have decreased, yeah. Yeah, so you, well, you look at the political situation in 1995, it's not hard to see why they made it not mandatory to report abortions and it's sort of, you know. Right. The, the, the cynic inside of you just has to look at this and go, there's a whole lot of political oh, spin going on boy. here. Yeah. But what we're dealing with is literally millions and millions of children who are being killed, the, 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 the weakest, the most um, innocent, mm-hmm. um, who have done nothing wrong, um, Innocent lives being taken, and and that's just and that's just horrific. As who Christians, we need as to much, who have just as much of a right. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Who have just as much of a right to live as every single one of us. Just as much of a right to live. Just as much of a right to know Jesus. Just as much as of a right to have salvation. Mm. Just as much of a right to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about you know John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit from the point of conception. Yeah. You know, and and these are the lives that that we're taking. Um, you know, here in Australia. We've got, um, you know, um, half of all pregnancies are unplanned. That's kind of unusual. I didn't, didn't expect to see that yeah, stat. Well. And a quarter of those are terminated. Um, and between a quarter and a third of Australian women will uh, will go through an abortion in their in their life somewhere. So, wow. Yeah, pretty heavy stuff. We That's are hectic. our stats are actually um, That's hectic. Are, are, are really big. But um, you know, this is what I this is this is what I've I've sort of seen coming out of this whole Brett Kavanaugh issue. Yeah. Roe versus Wade, the issue of abortion, um, and, uh, and and the left just just, just their brains melting and them screaming out with. Um, uh, and I'm not going to take a side left or right here. It's not my, my my job to do. But on this one, I'm going to take a stand for life. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny because I think there's a danger in partisan politics. You just want your side to win, and I mm. think that's a, that's a challenge. And I think as Christians, we've got to always think about that. Are we taking sides or are we standing for what we believe? And I think yes. that's going to mean that at sometimes we stand on one side and, and other times we stand on the other side. You know, and I, I as, a, as a follower of Jesus have decided that in my own life, I'm not going to affiliate myself with political persuasion, but I'm going to stand for what's, what's right ultimately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and with this issue, it's the issue, of, it's the issue of life. You know, the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, that, that left-leaning thinkers are really afraid of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and they're saying that Brett Kavanaugh will bring his political affiliation into his judgments as a judge because they know that that's exactly what happened in Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. know that liberal-leaning judges, they basically infused their polit- politics, they were pro-abortion, into their decision. The Constitution of the United States is not like guarantee. It's not like an inalienable right encoded and enshrined in the constitutional law of the United States that you can get rid of your offspring before it's born. Like there's just nowhere in there. You've got to really be progressive to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, giving us an American perspective here this morning on a uh, hot political topic, a hot potato over there in the United States right now. We do need to move on. This is Andrew Peterson.
You've heard his music on the radio before. Oh, Holy Spirit, guide my heart, I pray. His song, Never Let Go, was featured on Rima's Ozday Countdown. I will never let go. Grego Pile is an accomplished musician and gospel singer, and he is holding a charity concert right here in the Newcastle region. Free entry, but an offering will be collected for those affected by the drought. Come along to the Bullaroo Adventist Church at 6pm September 26. For inquiries, call 0435 077 752. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.